listening to the Mouthful of Graffiti Podcast. The mod, not to be mistaken for John Candy's half-man, half-dog character from 1987 Spaceballs, is a mouthpiece for Mid-Atlantic creatives. I'm your host, Brad Cox, the Mog Father, a name affectionately coined and given to me by conversations with Rich Bennett, and I'm here to let you into the Mog House. Let's see who and what we're chewing on today on the Mog. The Mog, podcasting from Underground Studios, aims to be an all-inclusive, all-things-creative networking megaphone, and with the amount of talent we have in our own backyard, I don't know that we'll ever have a shortage of good content and rich stories to tell. Everyone has a story that's uniquely their own, and it's the Mog's mission to unearth it. The Mouthful Graffiti Podcast started as a seed and couldn't have grown without the support of those who sponsored us along the way. We'd like to thank Musicland, Reb Records, Capricos Books, The Gone But Never Forgotten Black-Eyed Susie's, Vagabond Sandwich Company, Double Groove Brewing, and the Baltimore Decal Gal. Don't forget to use discount code MOGPOD for a 10% discount at Capricos Books. Everyone knows you can't stop by Main Street Bel Air without grabbing some fresh new wax at Reb Records, followed by a delicious lunch at Vagabond Sandwich Company. While you're in town, swing by Musicland for the latest in gear and rentals or a relaxing pint at Double Groove Brewing. The Sarah Evans Copy That Tour is coming to the APG FCU Arena on February 24th at 7.30 p.m. With hits like Suds in a Bucket, Born to Fly, and No Place That Far, this isn't a show you'll want to miss. For tickets, visit HartfordEvents.com. The Hip Lay Ballerinas, blending their unique fusion of hip-hop and ballet, will be coming to the Amos Center on February 26th at 3 p.m. For tickets, visit tickets.harford.edu. Don't miss the Harlem Globetrotters 2023 World Tour, also coming to the APG FCU Arena on March 1st at 7 p.m. If you're looking for the ultimate fan experience, pick up a couple Magic Pass tickets. Grab all your tickets in advance at harfordevents.com. Today on the show, I had the pleasure of sitting down with multi-instrumentalist and genre-bending producer and artist, Hush. Despite his moniker, he isn't shy or quiet about sharing a taste of his origin story, a story with all the makings of a rock and roll rags to riches headline. He's equal parts punk rock and hip-hop and understands how to weave a landscape of emotions through a quilt of musical chaos. I instantly connected with his music and believe he's on the cusp of euphonious stardom. Hush has worked with everyone from Megalodon to Tech 9 and he's about to drop some audio fire That'll prove why he deserves to be the next crossover star of the 21st century. Join me in welcoming Hip Hop's own Hush to the Mog. All right, welcome to the Mouthful Graffiti Podcast. I'm sitting here with Hush. Welcome to the show, Hush. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. How you doing? Pretty good. Are you a podcast guy? Is is this one of your first podcasts? Have you done them in the past? No, I, I haven't done these before. You haven't? Okay, so this is the uh, first time. Yeah. Do you listen to podcasts? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of great great talks out there and great information and stuff. So in a sense, though, though we're virtual right now, you're kind of back in your original backyard because I'm from Baltimore, Maryland. So <laughs> that's not too far from Silver Spring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Yeah. So when yep. did you leave the land of the Mary? Oh, I was very young. I think I was about two and a half years old when my parents moved uh, out to Iowa. So I don't remember much from from back there. But so you never got the crab cakes and the burger cookies and all that? No, no, I never got the honor of all that. I just <laughs> had burgers and cheese and stuff out here. <laughs> Fair enough. So have you come back to visit at any point or do you plan to? My my uncle uh, lived out in D.C. 
when I was younger and he got married out there and I went out just for for the wedding. But that's that's about the last time that I, I was out there. So where are you living now? You said Iowa. Yeah. Right now I'm in Iowa. You're back. Uh, I'm, I'm back home in Iowa. When when the pandemic hit, it got real crazy in my neighborhood in Kansas City. And I was like, OK, maybe I'll go home for a little bit. I was introduced to you because you have the same management team as Bad Mary, the Dolly Rots, Soul Asylum. How did you get hooked up with Dane over at Independent? Oh, uh, they've been working with Strange Music for a while. And um, I've been releasing my records with Strange, which has been great. And they introduced us and we had a couple of meetings and got along real well. And they wanted to work on the record. So, yeah. well, th this is my first time really being introduced to your music and it's fantastic, man. I've been listening to Hush for the past 48 hours, not just to, you know, get the interview questions together, but just really to get a, an idea of what you do. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. And I know that you, you tout that it's an amalgamation. It's like it's hip hop. It's it's alternative rock. It's it's really all the genres into a melting pot. That would be fair to say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm very ADD when it comes to express how I'm feeling. So it gets a little crazy all over the place. You know? I, I think that independent artists in general have that tendency because we're all a lot of different things. We're not just one thing. Yeah, it's, it's very true. I mean, uh to me, it boils down to expression and, and whatever we have to express at that point of time. And if you try and can find that within the boundaries of certain things, then you might not be able to get it all out. You know, no, no doubt. If you were like in a band setting, there is that tendency to be like, all right, this is who we are. And, and you kind of write songs and you all kind of agree this is what it's going to be. As where when you're working autonomously, you can do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, that's very true. It's very dangerous, too, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the the wildest genre you've kind of gone into? Have you done any jazz infused music yet or anything like that? I haven't infused jazz in there. You got to. Right. I mean, there's definitely influence in there. A lot coming through uh, stuff like breakbeats, which is really more like 70s psych rock and stuff, but was influenced by jazz. But uh, yeah, I mean... The craziest, I did a record for a guy like a while ago who was wanting to do country mixed with house music, but it was like really like traditional folk country. And that was really weird, but it actually came out really, really good. It was definitely a very surprising. I was like, what? But for myself, I mean, I'm all over the place, but I definitely stick around a couple of key genres that, that really you know, hit me at home. I was going to say, I went back to like, they hate kids like me. And what was the other one? All I have left, like the, the really earlier stuff. Yeah. And it was, it was more electronic hip hop as where the new stuff, you really do hear a lot of those alternative elements. Yeah. I mean, so I started as like a rock musician. Um, like that was my first love in music. And then when I was like 12 years old, I started working with electronic music and using different software for that. So going into that stuff and then rap later was it it was interesting to start out this project with hip hop and EDM infused stuff. Whereas like when I think of myself, I always think of myself as like a rock musician or a punk musician or something along those lines. So it's kind of fun to to come back to it as something that I identify with so much, but it being like for other people are like, oh, he also does this shit. 
<laughs> or for me, it's the opposite. <laughs> well, you have such a way of making it all sound so so natural. Does it come natural to you? Like after the electronic music, kind of the earlier stuff, you got together with Tech Nine and did Blight, and that's more hip hop. It was a little bit more focused, you know, as were the like the new new stuff. To me, that's really cool, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it was definitely a lot of fun to work with Tech and. Um, it it definitely pushed me more into that electronic and rap genre that that we did on that record, and that was so much fun, man. He's such a great dude to work with, just sending stuff back and forth, and then I don't know, it's just generally it's a great thing. Yeah, before we get into that particular intersection and, and your background, I wanted to talk about the new song that you're promoting right now came out on 2323, which if you're a numerology guy, I don't know if that was the reason or if it was just good marketing. But let's talk about debt real quick. It's in your bio. It talks about kind of equating two political parties and that like just nasty divide to uh, a relationship that's really kind of soured. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like I've always seen like especially in the last maybe three to five years, like the the political parties that kind of run this country are very much like a um trying to figure out a nice way of saying it. They're like two but they're like a mom and dad who really don't get along. Right. <laughs> and they really hate each other. And every time mom and dad talk, it's just Rah, 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 where you're spending too much money. Well, you're being too nice to the kids and their friends. You know what I mean? Right. And the people of the country are just like the kids just waiting for mom and dad to figure it out to see, like, can I get some candy or can I have ice cream for dinner? Right, right. <laughs> Dude, I mean, the song is fantastic. And you produce that. You perform the instruments. You're obviously vocalizing. Yeah, yeah. I, I do all the all the music on there. The drums are our, our program because I've got bad shoulders. I can't swing sticks like that, but uh, <laughs> you can't play everything. Literally. I mean, maybe you can, I, if I could, I would, I'll tell you what, like, I, I don't know if you saw the overstay video, the, the song that before this, that came out, but I did all the computer graphics for that one. I've been like obsessed with unreal engine and making uh 3d graphics and animations and environments and stuff like that for the last couple of years. So I've been like getting involved with that a lot, but I want to get into your background because you've got a story, you know, and it's a story that reading your bio, I think people really want to hear and need to hear. Uh, so talk to me about the formative years. Talk to me about as much as you want to share that you're comfortable sharing those early middle school years and kind of how that tapered off pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, it definitely tapered off quickly because I left in sixth grade. Yeah. But, so I went to this Maharishi school, which was like a, a meditation meditate like the Maharishi the Beatles and stuff like that yeah yeah yeah. and they had kind of they bought a college in a small town in Iowa and there was obviously some friction locally which is understandable if you're you know growing some town or whatever for generations of your family and then some people coming by the college and all this shit there was a right there was a lot of tension you know Didn't they do like a Netflix series on the Maharishi no, they did one on the guy in uh in where was it? They might have done one on Maharishi, but they did one on the guy in uh Oregon. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He bought a town. He he had like a comp like a huge compound outside of a town, I think, and they just 
like basically overpowered the town and then they had a big shootout and all kinds of crazy crap. So you think crazy like that out here, but there was just generally a lot of tension between the town people and the meditators that came in from other places and stuff. So there was like generally a lot of violence and just a lot of, you know, not no guns or nothing like that. But the kids, their parents all told them that we were devil worshipers. And, you know, I had some friends who were who grew up here from families from here. And I remember going to their house and one, one of the kids' parents was like, oh, I tried that meditation. It's a devil. I saw the devil when I'm like, he was just going off about how he saw the devil. And it was like this horrible thing that we're doing and all this stuff. And you're so young, you don't even really know what you're doing. I mean, that was when I was like 10 years old. Yeah. <laughs> you're just kind of going with the flow. Mom and dad say, do this. I'm going to do this. Yeah. And it was all right. No one was like, there was nothing really like bad happening. It wasn't like a we weren't like sacrificing goats or right like, nothing sinister yeah it's just like sitting down and being quiet with yourself and trying to find peace and like you know generally good things are you able to describe what the movement was i mean it still is uh okay. it's how would i put that uh it's a hard one to describe but i mean it's it's oprah actually did an episode on it um and she came down here and did interviews with the with the people and went through the school and all that stuff. So it's I mean, it's basically a lot of people from the 70s who found meditation and uh, their teacher was Maharishi. And, uh, you know, it's it's not a religious thing in any way. It's just a, a meditation technique for helping clear out your mind and uh, was passed down from Gurudev, his teacher um and yeah it's just a a, like growing up with it and seeing how that movement affected just culture in general like it was a big part of the yoga blast that came in and hit everybody with all the overnight yoga teacher training courses and yeah all the like supersized yoga um and uh it sounds like on its face it was a pretty good thing and maybe something everybody on some plane should consider doing you know what i mean i mean a lot of people do now which is amazing which has been amazing to see from a a young kid growing up with this stuff like even was my first mantra i was like five years old or something they give you a walking mantra and then we would walk around the hallways in the school and we would do our walking mantra twice a day for 10 minutes and then you'd have your sitting mantra and all this stuff and then growing up in that but then leaving and going to places like los angeles um, and, and Florida and all these other uh, places where people didn't grow up like that or have that kind of stuff. Um, it was really interesting. And then to see it become more popular and become more mainstreamed in a way where now everybody's meditating and everybody's doing yoga and everybody's a yoga teacher and probably knows more than me about the Bhagavad Gita, even though I learned yes. about school. You know what I mean? It's like. Right. Uh, were people giving you a hard time because just strictly because it was different? I mean, that's kind of the the basic. I think that's a trend in humans yeah. over thousands of years. If something's different, they tend to reject it. Uh, but what was cool is over time, like through the the teenage years, as we started to integrate uh, what we were doing with what they had already been living here doing, uh, we all just kind of became friends and started partying together and having fun together and uh and then as it, you should yeah and then everybody just kind of grew together like that and it was actually like really 
kind of beautiful to grow up seeing something like that where it was like this really hardcore conservative town that gets met with all these super liberal people that come through and sure there was tension at first but you know eventually they're marrying each other and shit like that right <laughs> so so how did that part of the your upbringing affect your music and has it made its way into any of your your lyrics or just your mindset when you approach a song yeah oh man i mean that's a whole big topic there <laughs> I mean, so I grew up with like uh, a lot of Vedic astrology stuff um, and different spiritual healing techniques and stuff like that. So um, your uh, artwork on debt actually has some of that, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like the the idea with the symbols in there is is that the earth is burning in a cycle to try and it's like the completion of a karmic cycle and it's burning towards the moon as it's like healing entity and the gravity of the moon pulls on it. And I don't know. Uh, I had a whole thing for it that I wrote down when I did it, but I'm so busy that I don't even remember what I did this morning, to be honest. <laughs> now you're on a podcast. <laughs> now I'm on a podcast. This morning I was making 3D graphics, you know. Uh, well, you're yes. incredibly talented. Uh, so somewhere around, what was it, uh, 12 years old? Is this when you went to Florida or were you a little older? Oh, Florida was 16. Okay, 16. Uh, when I was 12, I dropped out of school. So I was going to the public school and uh, and there was still a lot of tension, especially with the older people. So some of the teachers didn't like me. Uh, I was very creative. I mean, generally, I got kicked out of the Maharishi school. I was just that crazy. The one one thing that happened is there's like uh, in a lot of these spiritual practices, a focus on creative intelligence. And I think some of us got a, a little bit too much of a boost of that too young. We were just like. Me and my friend Jesse, we would take all the attention away from the teacher and just hold it. And the teacher couldn't do anything. Eventually, he like gave us our own comedy show at the beginning of the class to try and like get all that out of there, but it didn't work. They kicked me out and I was like, okay, I went to the public school and then I just started getting my ass beat like on the regular, like my first day in school. Some kid threw me in a dumpster and then trying to get out, I kicked him in the face and which was on purpose I, I can say that but later when class was out he like found me after school and threw a rock at my head and i was like gushing blood everywhere yeah because heads bleed man yeah yeah i was like 10 years old so it's just like I, it was not a warm welcoming to the public schools after being in this kind of like you know maharishi thing so that was a bit much and then in sixth grade one of the teachers didn't well first of all the abuse continued there. Like I got my ass beat after school a couple of times and the school just kept saying it's not on school property, so they can't do anything. And then my dad called the cops on this kid. And then they were after me more because my dad had to call the cops and all this. So it's just crazy. Those kids are after me. And then I'm going to school part time at the high school and the teachers fucking hate me. And this teacher hated me so much that she kept making these rules to try and get me out of her class. And every time I'd screw up, she'd send me to the principal's office. And then one day she's like, if you forget your pencil again, you're going to the principal's office. And I had one more chance to go to the principal's office or I get kicked out of the class. So it was something so ridiculous. Right. I just like, totally nitpicking. Yeah. That was just like, okay, like this is done. So then I think I had like one class left because I was already doing part time because I couldn't be in the regular school hours because the kids would just come whoop on me. But 
Yeah. So at that point I just dropped out and I was so resentful towards the school. Like a lot of, a couple of other kids my age were that we broke into the middle school and destroyed just tons of crap. Actually, I don't think I talked about this at all with anybody yet in any of these like interviews or anything, but we, uh, we went into, there was like a courtyard area and my friends had figured out if you climb over the building into the courtyard area, we get in the school and we destroyed all this crap. I deleted everything off the librarian's computer and then I pissed on it. And then we started spraying all this crap in the, anyways, we got busted for that. And I ended up in juvie at like 12 years old. Um, so that was like, you know, that was a, the beginning the end for me i mean it's a fascinating story so you, you, <laughs> end, you end up in florida now when you're in florida did your family go with you or were you just out there because it, it was the homeless period oh, too yeah, yeah yeah so that was like a couple years after that when i was 15 um things were just so bad here with a lot of the tension and and the violence and just rejection for me on both sides from because i was like a just a, a gen, generally an outcast in in all scenes. So, uh, the the Maharishi crowd, you know, I get pushed back from them, and then the the local crowd, I get pushed back from them. So I actually ended up moving out to Colorado. I went to visit my brother, who had moved out there, and just lived there for years, homeless, and loved it and was like eating out of trash cans and stuff like that and i was like oh you can just do that like i can get out of this and i can just go live on the street and there's food and dumpsters and this is great get me the fuck out of here right right that's the thing like uh, i ran away to hollywood when i was a kid and yeah. you're you're doing that kind of stuff you're smoking like half smoked cigarettes because yeah. that's what you can get one of the you things I remember doing was they'd have like this burger. Like if you ate the whole burger, you got a free burger. Like it, so it was like a huge burger. So I paid for one and I would just sit there till I finished it. And they'd give me a coupon for the next one. That'd be the next day's meal. You find ways to survive is the point. Yeah, 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 for real. And I felt like at 15, I realized that like uh, if I asked people for leftovers since I was a young kid, like a lot of people would do this is kind of the hustle. You go ask for leftovers outside the restaurant. If you look pathetic enough while you do it, they might give you some fucking food and you'll eat that day. And because I'm 15 years old, I'm going out there and getting stacks of food that I would hide. And then I go hand it out to all the other people that weren't getting food because I couldn't do nothing with that much food. I'd just go get more food the next day. So I try and feed myself and other people and shit like that. Take advantage of being a cute little 15 year old kid and all that, you know? Were you just staying at shelters? Or you were hanging out in the woods? Um, there was this really nice lady who let me sleep on her couch to make music for her website. And and she's, I mean, I say lady now, she's probably like in her 20s or something. I don't even remember. But and there was just like random spots, sleeping outside every once in a while or going camping because this was out in Boulder. Um, but yeah, I mean, at that age, it's a, it was a little bit easier to find places to stay. And you're uh, so young. Like, yeah, yeah. I was 15 years old. It's just crazy. Like, I just can't imagine like a 15 year old kid being homeless. It's insane. Um, but I, I thought it was great. <laughs> I was like, sure. And then somehow in all of this, you ended up in California. I'm assuming 
Los Angeles, maybe, or where were you at in California? Which time are you talking about the cult school? Yes. Yes, I am. So that's in Marin County. And and the funny thing about the bio is it just says, and that was kind of weird. I want to know what was kind of weird. That's what I want to know. Oh God. I'll try not to puke while talking about this one. Uh, No, it's not that weird, but it's just weird. Uh, So back to the Maharishi school in first grade, this German kid came to to the United States and started going to the school and joined our class. And he didn't speak a lick of English. His name was Mark Aurelius. And he would just say nine. And we would talk to him. He'd go, nine, 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 nine. And he hated being in the U.S. And uh, and me and him became friends. We were friends to like third or fourth grade. I don't remember what happened. Like we, we had like a shared dog together at one point. We were really good friends. It was like, you know great school stuff and then i switched to the public school and i think we just stopped seeing each other as much so then when i'm like 17 years old i get a call from another friend that this kid's mom had started a school in marin county had rented out like half a hotel for months and had been putting up kids it was basically all of the kids in my class who were like rejects from the school we had all dropped out and she took all of us from the Maharishi school and tried to bring us into her school and basically worship her as the Mahadevi is what it started to turn into. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Super weird. And it was like friends of ours and other teachers from the other school that were working there. And then, you know, they were getting paid to like say that they believed in what she was saying. And there was like all this money that, I still to this day don't know where the fuck it came from. Some people said it was like she had made psychic investments in the stock market and big. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds legit. Right. Yeah. And then someone else said it was a lawsuit, but I'm doing all this mess. She spent like $250,000 on her birthday party. She was spending at least 200,000 a month on these hotel rooms, like the amount of, and then she had offered us all like, I think it was like $18,000 to quit all drugs and alcohol for like 12 months or 10 months or something like that. Son of a bitch, I'm in. That's what most people said, but I didn't do it because I knew that that wasn't going to happen. Like a lot of my friends were still like smoking weed, even in the hotel rooms, taking knife hits off the fucking stovetop and shit like that. But uh, and they had these deals and weren't telling her about it. And I was just like, yo, all this shit is shady. Everything about all of this shit is shady. Like, I don't want to rip this lady off, but I also don't want to sit here and worship her like she's fucking some god or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that got super weird. I left there because I was at a dinner with them. And she started yelling at her daughter not to call her mom anymore, that she was to refer to her as the Maha Devi. And her daughter was just crying. And I was like, yo, this is not cool. This is not spiritual or anything good. And like you lord us in with money promises of spirituality, just like we grew up with back home. And this is kind of fucked up and I'm leaving. Yeah. So I was making a joke about the 18,000, but in your core, you knew this is just bullshit. Yeah. I was just like, like, I'll try it out because I was just, Again, like the tension in my hometown and everything here was so bad. And then my dad had MS for a long time since I was like five years old. And that was really hard to to deal with. We had like nurses in the house taking care of him. And then 
it was just super stressful and I was just like a little kid. So any chance I could to to get away, it was like, you know, it was just a lot. Well, to uh, switch gears, in 2017, you came out as Hush. That was like yes. your stage name, your artist name. And it's really kind of like flipping a light switch as far as an outsider who didn't know much about you. Suddenly, you're going from kind of obscurity to collaborating with Megalodon and Sultan and obviously Tech Nine comes into the mix. What was the moment? What was how did all these connections start happening? Oh man, let me try and pinpoint this. It's it's all in Hollywood. So how how dirty can I get on a on a podcast? You're fine. <laughs> I mean, I was living in a like I was sleeping on the couch in the trap house in Hollywood and I was uh working at Dave Aaron's studio who was Snoop Dogg's engineer um Death Row Records he did Tupac Sublime he did some of my favorite records um and I had linked up with him just through another project uh that I had done in Las Vegas with some friends out there and a lot of people were coming through the house that I was at where I was crashing and it's just kind of the mix out there. You just start meeting people and meeting people. Eventually you make your way towards the good people that you gravitate towards. And I met this manager, Josh Hernandez, and he was working with Savant and I had heard about Savant and was super inspired by him. What was it? Three years prior to this, because he's, he deals with mental illness. He's got uh, Asperger's. Um, and he still goes out tours and does all his music and all that stuff. Um, and I was just like, wow, that's like, that's real bravery. And I was like, it's funny because I had this moment. I was like, I'd really like to work with whoever manages this dude, because that's the kind of people that I like to be around is people who like actually care enough. Yeah. Work with somebody who's in a position that's tough or like whatever it is, just someone that cares enough. Uh, and I meet him through just like random stuff that I'm doing out in Hollywood through people that I met through this house. And then I end up at that house and this thing and the other thing just end up meeting some really great people. And he was managing Sultan at the time. And I actually wasn't rapping at that point. Um, I used to rap in Fairfield back in the day. Cause we had, cause of the college, there was a lot of people they would get grants for people who had uh, difficult times getting into colleges, inner city grants, stuff like that. Hmm. Um, and I remember this dude, Tom Pringle came here from Brooklyn and he rapped and we would do these parties out in the country and we'd be around a keg of beer and I'd be beatboxing, they'd be rapping. And I loved it. I loved good rap because it was just straight from their soul, straight off the dome, always freestyle and just always really sick raps. And then in dubstep, all these kids started rapping on dubstep. And it was just, I thought it was just garbage compared to the shit that I grew up on, the hip hop that I listened to, the people that I rapped with around the the kegs and shit when I was a teenager. And uh, and Josh is like, you could rap, right? I don't know how he knew that. And I was like, well, yeah, kind of. And he's like, you want to give it a shot on this? We're trying some other dudes. It's not working out. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And uh I just kind of like tuned into Sultan and where he was coming from 
being in Iran and all the stuff he was dealing with and just tapped into a vibe lyrically trying to relate to where he was come from trying to just find a common ground with that struggle and it turned out really good and 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 it it was that was my first hush release it came out on never say die records which is awesome so uh, talented by shaquille o'neal the shaquille o'neal yeah he would play that exact song actually for years to come i don't know if he's still playing it but maybe <laughs> we'll have to tag him into the episode yeah keep yeah. it going shaq <laughs> So one of the things that stands out about the music is just the production. Like you're doing that. What are you using? Like what, what studio are you going to? What software? So I, I've got my own studio equipment and gear and stuff like that. Uh, I did work doing production and mixing and stuff like that for other people for a while. Um, that gets a little bit tedious when you're an artist because you're just constantly feeling like you're building somebody else's dream and yours is getting put into theirs. Uh, so eventually I stopped doing that, switched to computer programming. Um, it's a good, fast one, less BS than music business. Sure. And, uh, and I, you know, I still got all my studio gear. So I got a Neumann U87 that I run through an Apollo twin. Um, and I've got the Neve 1073, I think is the one that I'm using right now. Um, I also use like the Helios and a couple other ones that I really like, but I run it through their preamps and uh, I've got my speaker set up. I've got two guitars, two electric guitars. So one's a Schecter seven string, one's a PRS six string. I did some custom modifications on them myself for the uh, pickups, put some nice uh, bare knuckle pickups in them. Have you thought about bringing the piano, like just an old school piano into the mix? That's where you got your start. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, I'm looking at right now at one of the pianos that I actually started on. Um, you know, it's just a pain in the ass to record. <laughs> I've got a keyboard, but I've moved on the road so much. And like, I think honestly, like growing up, I was thinking about it today. because Today it was just crazy. And I was just like, oh, my God, I just want to go back to being homeless again. It's so much easier. Um, I have this kind of nomadic lifestyle built into me from such a young point that I just drag equipment with me wherever I go. So my keyboard, all this to say, my keyboard is just fucked. It's yeah. <laughs> like the keys, the velocities on it don't work. I sat down the other day. I was like, yo, let's play some keys on this shit. And then I was like, I just, I got to get another keyboard and we'll get some more keys on it. I'm sure. Did you get like any theory as you were growing up? Like, where did you kind of like learn, you know, just the basics of, uh, of playing these instruments? Uh, Nirvana. So Kurt Cobain. Now, if Kurt Cobain was in a room with you right now and you had the opportunity to recut something from like bleach or in utero or never mind, what song would you want to like reframe with him? Beans. Beans. Yeah, it goes beans, beans, beans. Yes, he ate some beans. He was happy, happy, happy as he ate some beans. <laughs> it's silly as fuck, but it's literally my favorite song because it's so, uh, it's just raw. It's just a tape recording of him like losing his mind a little bit. And I, those are the moments that I really like. So it's interesting. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge Nirvana fan and I didn't even know that song. It's like it's some B-side off of some random shit that I don't know where you would find it now. But 
Well, it sounds to me like music comes pretty naturally to you. You've got a new album that's coming out this summer or this fall. It's this year. I know that. It's coming out for sure. Um, I've been I've been doing so I've been doing a lot of these visuals for the videos. I just actually hand built myself a ridiculous render computer. So I've been tacking on a little bit too much. I think. And so I'm still trying to figure out when I'm going to get all these stems out, but it's coming very, very, very soon. Well, definitely excited to hear it. We we talked about in the very beginning, the, the new song, you got debt. Where can people find your music? It's on all streaming platforms, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer. Um, you can go to my Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all, all the, the usual so, suspects. Yeah, all the usual suspects are all up in the bio there and all that and uh yeah uh youtube too we got the videos on the strange music website they did such an incredible job on those videos working with cameron he's such a genius uh it's so nice to work with him and we're gonna do some crazy stuff because we're bringing in all the unreal engine 5 stuff in i got the rtx 4090 and all that crazy shit (laughs) it's getting real fun on the so do you have any guest appearances that you can share at this point or is that kind of under lock and key I've been working on some, but it's definitely under lock and key for right now. I, I wouldn't be there's doing my job if I didn't ask. There's definitely some great stuff brewing for sure. And for do you sure. still have some of those relationships with guys like Tech Nine and Megalodon? And uh, oh yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, I mean Megalodon, Corey. He's got a, a Discord channel bypass, which is really cool and a really active community there. And uh, Tech, you know, obviously I'm working with his label, so you know we talk often and send music back and forth and all that stuff and i still yeah i still got a lot of relationships through throughout the business i've been in here a minute well hush i wish you all the success going forward i'm gonna wrap this up because zoom is about to cut out if i don't have enough i'll probably just set up another one with you and we'll just mesh the two audio streams together but Really great to talk to you, man. You're so talented. I mean, I, I really connect with your music right away and really appreciate you doing this. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. I really oh, do. Before you go, uh, are you okay if I tackle and dead at the end of the episode? Uh, that's fine by me. Okay. Unfortunately, our Zoom call cut off. So crank it. Here's the latest single from Hush called Dead. Oh, she doesn't hate the same.